Corinthians, chapter 12, verses 12 through 27, and it's printed in the bulletin if you'd like to follow along. Just as the body, though one, has many parts, but all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one spirit, so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, and we were all given the one spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but of many. Now, if the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And the parts that we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor. And the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty, while our presentable parts need no special treatment. But God has put the body together, giving greater honor to the parts that lacked it, so that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. Now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. Buenos días. La lectura esta mañana es de 1 Corintios, capítulo 12, del versículos 12 al 27. De hecho, aunque el cuerpo es uno solo, tiene muchos miembros, y todos los miembros, no obstante ser muchos, forman un solo cuerpo. Así sucede con Cristo. Todos fuimos bautizados por un solo espíritu para constituir un solo cuerpo, ya seamos judíos o gentiles, esclavos o libres, y a todos se nos dio a beber de un mismo espíritu. Ahora bien, el cuerpo no consta de un solo miembro, sino de muchos. Si el pie dijera, como no soy mano, no soy del cuerpo, no por eso dejaría de ser parte del cuerpo. Y si la oreja dijera, como no soy ojo, no soy del cuerpo, no por eso dejaría de ser parte del cuerpo. Si todo el cuerpo fuera ojo, ¿qué sería del oído? Y si todo el cuerpo fuera oído, ¿qué sería del olfato? En realidad, Dios colocó cada miembro del cuerpo como mejor le pareció. Si todos ellos fueran un solo miembro, ¿qué sería del cuerpo? Lo cierto es que hay muchos miembros, pero el cuerpo es uno solo. El ojo no puede decirle a la mano, no te necesito, ni puede la cabeza decirles a los pies, no los necesito. Al contrario, los miembros del cuerpo que parecen más débiles son indispensables, y a los que nos parecen menos honrosos los tratamos con honra especial. Y si, y si les trata con especial modestía, a los miembros que nos parecen menos presentables, mientras que los más presentables no requieren trato especial. Así Dios ha dispuesto los miembros de nuestro cuerpo, dando mayor honra a los que menos tenían, a fin de que no haya división en el cuerpo, sino que sus miembros se preocupen por igual unos por otros. Y si uno de los miembros sufre, los demás comparten su sufrimiento, y si uno de ellos recibe honor, los demás se alegran con él. Ahora bien, ustedes son el cuerpo de Cristo y cada uno es miembro de ese cuerpo. 
We've been talking about this upcoming move to uh, Mount Rona Baptist Church, not just as a move, but as a grand reopening, a chance for us to reintroduce ourselves to the local neighborhood, for us to labor, to build new relationships, to draw people in, in a fresh way, and to recast vision for us as a body to know why do we exist? Why are we here? What kind of church are we trying to be? So for the past couple of weeks, we've been looking at our church's vision, our mission, and you can find a brief statement uh, printed for you in the sermon section of the bulletin. And today we're going to focus on one piece of that. Let me say a word of prayer before we move forward. God, we need your help to open our eyes to see uh, not just words on a page, but to see Jesus. And to see your design for the church, Jesus, that you died and rose again for. And we pray that you would send your spirit and any ways in which we tend to resist you, that you would soften our hearts. And any ways that we need comfort, that you would speak to us gently. In any ways that you need uh, to do what might might be surprising to us, uh, that you would surprise us. Um, But most of all, God, honor yourself and glorify yourself, most especially your son. He's our focus. He's our hope. He's our good news. And it's in his name we pray. Amen. One of our priorities at Grace Meridian Hill is to build a cross-cultural community. Uh, That is a community that increasingly reflects the diversity of our neighborhood here. A community that is welcoming to and inclusive of people, neighbors, friends, roommates, people from a variety of racial and ethnic backgrounds. And we're committed to this, not just for political reasons, not for political reasons or for sociological reasons, but rather for theological reasons. Because what we see in the Bible is that right at the heart of the Christian faith is a story of cross-cultural love. That God from the beginning has always had it in his heart to save a people from every tribe and language and ethnic group and to bring them together in Jesus into true community. And more than that, to achieve this salvation, here's the story. God the Son, eternal, infinite, and bodiless, left his natural environment moved across infinite barriers of power, of comfort, of language, and stepped into our world, indeed, into our skin. Which theologians would call the story of the incarnation, God becoming flesh, God crossing cultures to be in relationship with us. Which means a cross-cultural community sets out before it the goal to love, the goal to be in relationship, the goal to step into each other's skin, to see the world through each other's eyes, 
to look across to a brother or sister that might be coming from a very different vantage point or perspective or background from your own and where you lovingly and humbly say, what is it like to be like you? What does it feel like to feel the world as you feel? It's not just about color count, friends, because you can have a multicultural church and no genuinely cross-cultural relationships. And that is why we use the language of cross-cultural as our favorite term of talking about what this kind of love and unity, messy, sometimes hard love and unity ought to look like in a church like ours. The Apostle Paul addresses some of these issues in his letter to the church in Corinth, a large, booming city in ancient Greece. And this church was a mess. In almost every conceivable way, they struggled with expressing in their relationships, I'm better than you. Divisions, this word that we find in verse 25 really being a theme all throughout the letter of Corinthians that Paul is trying to address. Divisions between people of different social classes, different race groups, people of different spiritual giftings and abilities and talents. See, today we're looking at a passage that is actually, you might know, typically looked at as a topic of spiritual Gifts, talents, and abilities that each person has. And that is a proper way of applying this passage. Paul is talking about that too. But there's another massive layer of application that he offers the Corinthian church and to us. Did you notice it in the opening verses of this passage, verses 12 and 13? That Paul also applies this passage to race culture and class. He says, just as a body, though one has many parts, but all its many parts form one body. So it is with Christ for we were all baptized by one spirit. So as to form one body, whether Jew or Gentile slaves or free. And we were all given one spirit To drink. See, we're not injecting it into this passage. Paul himself has framed all that follows in the coming paragraphs according to this thought that God has brought different people of different racial, cultural, ethnic, and class backgrounds. And by the power of the Holy Spirit, because we're not able to do this in our own human power, He has made us one. But what does this look like? Like What we find here are what we might summarize as four sayings, four sayings in a cross-cultural community, four things that we should hear from ourselves and from each other if we're growing as a cross-cultural community. The first saying we find in verse 15 to 16. Now, what the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body. It would not, for that reason, stop being a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body. 
it would not, for that reason, stop being a part of the body. And maybe we can paraphrase those sentences like this. Now, if the Salvadoran should say, because I'm not white and born in the U.S., that I don't belong to Grace Meridian Hill. Or if the Kenyan should say, because I'm not African-American, I do not belong to Grace Meridian Hill. See, Paul is talking about this issue of belonging. This deep and personal sense in which this community or some expression of the community of Christ is a place where you can make your home. And what Paul is touching on here, because it was the case in the Corinthian church, was that many people can and do feel alienated or unwelcomed or feel like second-class citizens because the church sometimes communicates what? You're not a foot. Or you are a foot. You ought to be a hand. Or you're an ear. Well, you know, you should try to behave a little bit more like an eye. You know, the church says, and sometimes even quite publicly, to paraphrase, uh, we, we love feet, not just hands. Uh, feet are welcome here. And yet, when you start hanging out with people, maybe you find that they're only and always talking about their fingers. And when it gets cold outside, that they only have winter gloves to pass out. And once you overheard someone in your small group say, oh, that just smells like dirty feet. But, no, 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 we love feet. Feet are very welcome here. You see, the first saying of a cross-cultural community is simply this. I belong. I belong. That being a cross-cultural community means helping people from a wide variety of racial and ethnic backgrounds to feel like they are a part of the body because Paul's point here is that they are. Already in Christ, spiritually, theologically, you are in fact a body of Christ. And even in your alienation and even in this awkward experience, perhaps, of not feeling like you do belong, you in fact are connected to Jesus. If you've embraced him, you're connected to one another. Paul says, start to live like that's true. Express it in your relationships Extend yourselves to each other with the love of one that makes one another feel like they belong. How are we doing, friends? Do we make others feel like we need to be of a different racial background in order to belong? Do we meet people where they are at? Do we provide pockets and spaces and creative ways in which we extend ourselves to each other and enter into each other's lives so that the confession of every person is in some way, shape, or form, not perfectly, but sufficiently, yeah, I belong. I'm a part of this body. In verse 21 and 22, Paul continues and says, the eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem weaker are, in fact, indispensable. 
See, what Paul is talking about is that it's easy to start to think or to believe or to behave like, you know, we're just doing okay as we are with this, without this group or that group that isn't represented here. You know, diversity is good, but it's not really a priority. It's not really that vital or that important, not to God and not to us. Paul is telling us here that the person on the fringes, the person that's, let's say, weaker as far as social power or representation is concerned, that person is actually indispensable to the body, according to verse 22. It's this fascinating idea that Paul's putting before us that we actually need people who are different from us to properly grow in Christ. If the first saying of a cross-cultural community is, I belong, the second saying of such a community is this, I need you. I need you. Need. That's a strong statement, isn't it? Why do we need people who are different than me? Oh, Paul. Oh, God. Verse 17 to 20. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has placed the parts of the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. Why is this necessary, Paul says? Because every people group contributes a unique gift spiritually and relationally to the community. And that if we were all the same, all eyes, all ears, all hands, all feet, some vital function of the body of Christ would in fact be lost. Do you see that in this passage? And I've experienced this personally in this church, the wonderful blessing of being in community with you. And as I've heard many of your stories and learned about who you are, and been in spiritual communion together with you, that I, as an Asian American, a Korean American, have benefited so much from learning more about the Latino American experience. To hear about the hardships that many of you have gone through, whether your families or maybe you personally. Struggles with senses of alienation at times, especially when discourse becomes political. But that understanding your experience more personally, not from afar and not reading about it on the internet, but over coffee. Myself coming to understand places in scripture like Ephesians 2 a whole lot better. Helping me feel the power of such gospel promises as this one. Because of Christ, you are no longer foreigners and aliens. It rings differently now to me. Because of you. I thank God for you. You're no longer foreigners and aliens, but fellow citizens with God's people and members of God's household. I've been helped by friendships with those of you that are from the white south and talking about our different families. 
Those that come from traditional family structures and all the demands and expectations, especially in the point of marriage, expectations about kids and family and formality and all these things sometimes, where it's helped me because we've come to realize together Southern folk and Koreans are pretty much the same. (laughs) Or more so than you might think. And to find with you a, a travel partner, a journey partner, to grow in wisdom together, to learn how to live and love and trust the Lord together. Or the way in which I have gained wisdom about how to raise my kids and how I want to raise my children by having Elena out in Gerard Street Park playing with, or rather being taken care of by, Nehemiah and Zizi. The little girls that are quick to pick her up and spin her around as they just were earlier here today. And for me to be able to see before my very eyes the uniqueness of these young girls who clearly have been holding babies and taking care of little ones for all their short lives, but far more exposure to a rich, abundant family, chaotic dynamic than my family is. And to look at them and say, I want Elena to be like Zizi and Nehemiah, well-equipped to love younger kids, welcoming and loving and caring and willing to to, to pick up a baby and to be okay with the mess. See, I need you. You need you. And different people from different backgrounds bring different lenses to the pages of Scripture and different experiences to the table as we grow in life and in faith together. Every group of people, every individual does indeed make a unique contribution and serves a unique function in this thing called the body of Christ. We are more whole when we have more of us together in community. So maybe today or this week sometime, part of a practical application of this might be just as I try to do for you to turn and to tell a friend, a friend who might not look like you and come from a different place in life from you, even though you might call them a close friend or maybe just a casual acquaintance, but communicate to them and bless them, telling them how their presence in your life or in this church has uniquely blessed you or taught you more about Jesus. Maybe you can point to something in particular that you experience more of the grace of God or maybe more of community, not despite the fact that they're different from you, but because they're different from you. What can that look like? What can that look like? Okay, so we don't want racial divisions. Okay, we want each group to feel the same kind of care as Paul puts it in verse 25, so that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. No divisions. Shared care in community. But how do you achieve that? Someone maybe says or suggests, well, let's just treat everyone the same. Do you realize 
Paul actually says, no, no, no. No. Verse 23. The parts that we think as less honorable, we treat with special honor. Verse 24. God has put the body together, giving greater honor to the parts that lacked it. In other words, the way to grow towards cross-cultural unity is by seeking out with intentionality and humility those who've been left out. The socioeconomically vulnerable, the underrepresented ethnic group, those who feel like they don't belong. By treating them with special care in honor, or more literally, as Paul says, uh, this word it's just not strong enough in the way that it's translated here, special honor or greater honor. It's actually a word that can be rendered abundant honor, excessive honor, over the top honor, to go out of your way to reach out, to include, to love, to focus on those that need to be lifted up. And so maybe you're white and you notice a black newcomer and you notice that they're standing alone and maybe without connection and you decide to treat them as a guest of honor and maybe setting aside friends of your own to go reach out and to make conversation with a person that needs to feel like they belong. Or maybe you're in a midweek neighborhood group and you're aware that on the flip side, a white newcomer comes in and You're looking around and you see yourself in a huddle of good friends of yours, three or four African-American friends together with you. Or maybe it's Asian-Americans. It could be a number of different kinds of smaller social settings. And you know that a person that's different from the mix of the majority, whatever that might be, in any given moment, in any part of the community, just might not feel like they belong. And so you reach out and you go out of your way giving over-the-top honor and regard, putting the spotlight of love and the spotlight of your attentive care upon them. Or maybe it's a person from a certain socioeconomic background. Maybe a person that is struggling to make ends meet. Or maybe it's a person of significant wealth an influence. Someone that may be stepping into a mixed community may not necessarily feel like they fit in. And this call here to go out of our way, to lift them up, to prioritize their needs, to love. Because the third saying of a cross-cultural community is, I super honor you. I super honor you. Are you, friends, someone who's willing to sacrifice some personal comforts in order to help create inclusive community? Especially if you consider yourself, in the language of Paul here, as someone who needs no special treatment. You've made a home. You feel like you belong. You've got your social confidence. You have your place. This is your family. And of course, that can change from room to room or grouping to grouping, and it does always go in flux. But in any given moment in community, 
Are you willing to sacrifice personal comfort to help create inclusive community? Or maybe put it this way, on a comfort scale of 1 to 10, you might be an 8, and a person that walks into the room is a 3. Or maybe you're an 8, and a person, a neighbor, or a friend that you want to invite into the church is a 3. Are you willing, out of love, to make yourself a 6? In order that 3 might become a 5. Or even more than that, to trade places with your brother and sister, turn yourself into a three so that they can be an eight. And so whether if it's in letting go a little bit of your musical personal preference, not expecting even the songs that we sing necessarily to listen like or sound like your personal playlist in order to make space for other people of other backgrounds, to be willing to sing in a foreign language or to hear a scripture reading in a quote-unquote foreign language in order to super-honor another person, giving little cues that we've thought about you. And you do indeed belong in this expression of the body of Christ. To, for time to time to set aside your normal relationships and catching up time and friendships that you want to deepen, which you need to deepen. But from time to time to say, okay, I will forego that conversation, that chance to catch up in order to extend myself and super honor a person that's a little bit more on the fringes, a person that needs a little bit of love. Of course, in a neighborhood like this, and as we looked at the different demographic statistics from the last census as we did last week, it's posted on our Facebook page if you want to look at it. In a neighborhood like this with all the rich diversity that it has, part of being a community that says and that lives out this idea of I will super honor you will always mean for us to labor hard to build authentic relationships with the local black community and the local Latino community to lay down our lives, to even give up comforts in order to include, to love. Why? After all, because we just said, as Paul said, because we need you. And there's more fullness and wholeness in Jesus for us to enjoy, but only together. I belong, I need you, I super honor you in the fourth and last saying in cross-cultural community as I suffer with you. We'll close with this. Paul points us to this idea of deep incarnational empathy, suffering with and rejoicing with one another. Verse 26. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one body part is honored, every body part rejoices together with it. Have you ever hurt your back? Or maybe other some chronic pain that you're going through in life? Several years ago, I strained my back and was surprised. You don't realize that you need a back until you hurt your back. (laughs) You don't realize how much everything is, well, it should be obvious, literally connected to your back. If you've ever strained your back, you can't walk, you can't talk, you can't sit, you can't go to work, you can't play, you can't watch TV without feeling it. And mercy to some of you that have chronic pain like this. Paul is saying there's this idea that if one part of the body is hurting, the whole person is hurting. And there's no sense of, well, that's the back and my hand is happy. 
No, we're in it together. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. Which means being a community that openly acknowledges and wrestles with deep wounds, even sufferings, that we each or collectively have gone through. To be able to have humble and honest conversations about the sin of racism. To be able to work through messy issues even if they get a little bit noisy. To be able to dare to enter into the fray of talking through the Trayvon Martin and George Zimmerman situation. Or the Paula Dean situation. Or the Eagles wide receiver, whose name I can't even remember, situation. Because he ain't even all that great. But, right? (laughs) But my point there is that these are big issues, headline issues. You think about it all the time. You read about it all the time. If we can't talk about it here, friends, where can we talk about it? If we can't grow in understanding what genuine love ought to look like and grow in wisdom and grow in understanding, what does it look like for you to read this article? Because maybe it's different from the way I am looking at it. What does it feel like for you to hear that not guilty verdict a couple weeks ago? Because it may or may not be different from the way that I felt about it, but I want to learn to see this and look at this and feel this like you. Just as Jesus suffered with you, even dying for you, the call is to share our frustration, our hurt. And we've been blessed. I have been blessed by sharing in some of this with you already. To be able to hear the honest plea the frustrated plea from an African-American member in our church saying, I'm just sick of people thinking that black means poor and black means criminal. Or for a Latina in our community to talk about feeling marginalized when she went to a social gathering a while back and to be asked not once and not twice, but three times whether she's a citizen in this country. Or for a white sister to say, even with tears in her eyes, I'm so committed to this cross-cultural vision. I'm so committed to laying down my life to this sort of harmony and unity that it hurts when other people assume that I'm just on the other side automatically. In the Trayvon Martin case, the George Zimmerman case. Paul is inviting us to enter into each other's wounds to work through it honestly together, to celebrate and rejoice when we forgive, when we reconcile, when we experience genuine relationship. But always and always to take it personally because we're one body. So that if one person is hurting, the idea is, hey, that's my arm. That's my leg. That's my pain because that's my brother. And that's my sister. I suffer with you. I mean, think about various ministries in our church, dear friends, just to wrap this up. Maybe a neighborhood group you're a part of, or maybe just social times, hanging out together. Maybe play dates among families, 
or maybe family meals. If they don't reflect different colors, cultures, and classes, it's worth us asking ourselves, why aren't others included? Is there anything that we're communicating that is keeping people away? What can we do to build bridges? What might we be missing? Ways that we might be shortchanged and deficient because these brothers and sisters are not a part of our community. Good, hard questions to ask, not easy to answer. They're not meant to be easy. Don't try to solve it quickly and simply. But are we at least asking these sorts of questions? And are we starting to hear people in our church and in our neighborhood say, both with their words and their actions, I need you. So I super honor you. And I suffer with you. So that together, in Jesus' name, we can say, I belong. Let's pray. Lord, we need your help. We really, really do. But thank you for speaking to our minds and our hearts. And we pray now that you would give us grace to obey, to respond, to reflect, to challenge ourselves, to challenge each other, and most of all, to love. Because you have loved us. And it's in your name we pray. Amen.